0: Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week
1: It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. That's just going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
0: And we're back after a holiday weekend. Welcome, everybody. What's up? Happy Tuesday. It's this fantasy football today, and we are recapping the weekend and giving you one question and answer for each eliminated team. Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard. We just completed a dynasty draft that was actually broadcast live on the dynasty stream. So if you want to listen to fantasy football today, dynasty, you can hear the results of that startup dynasty Superflex flex draft. Uh, all right, guys, agree or disagree. If the Packers and the Bucks play as well as they played in the wild card round this upcoming weekend, then they're going to be playing in the NFC championship game. They will both get road upsets if they play as well as they played last week.
2: Yes. Agree on the Bucks. Disagree on the Packers.
0: Well, then you really don't think the Packers can win, huh? No. Because <laughs> I don't know if they can play much better. <laughs> Ten no, they, if
1: they play like they did against Dallas, they're beating San Francisco. I don't but, think Dallas. I, I, is not playing, that I'm saying that they're supposed to playing like Dallas against Green Bay. Right, that's the other side. Of it. no, I don't think Green Bay is going to win either. But I, I think it's going to be a competitive game. All four games should be competitive. If the Bucks play like that, they beat the Lions.
0: Yeah, they yeah. played great. I mean, their defense was flying around. That was the most impressive part. I mean, I knew they could score on the Eagles, but I was it was really amazing how their, their offensive
1: defense. players could make the Eagles' defenders not tackle. <laughs>
0: It <laughs> was such a bad performance. Wow, they
1: quit. They quit
2: before they got off the bus.
0: Is Brian Dable going to be the longest tenured coach in the NFC East next year?
2: <laughs> um, I don't think both get fired. I don't think both McCarthy and right. Sirianni get fired, but one potentially could go.
0: Yeah, hope I think hopefully neither get fired. They've done a lot of really good things there, but you know there's a lot of very good coaching candidates out there this cycle right it's but they're
2: all like getting you know you you see like the paths to where most of them are starting to go so it's it's unless you know the the money's overwhelming um or the job situation's that good in both cases there probably are then you you can kind of see like the the top guys are starting to get in their destinations
0: well okay what are you what are you thinking what are you seeing there who's going where
2: well i mean look i don't think bill belichick's taking meetings unless he's pretty confident he's getting jobs like i don't think he's just going to you know fly all over the country or do zoom meetings with you know teams that he's not necessarily uh feeling comfortable like they're going to they're going to offer him a job so i don't know how many more meetings he'll take it seems like atlanta could be a likely landing spot for him um, i would guess ben johnson to washington probably makes a lot of sense you know given the fact that that's seemingly the the direction is going um raheem morris probably to seattle you know it could be a a, a situation that happens um I'm trying to think of the other top candidates are Who's Carolina uh, Bob, getting?
0: Well, Harbaugh, maybe to the Chargers.
2: Harbaugh to the Chargers. That's um, I mean, Vrabel's a wild card and all this, uh, mm-hmm. where he goes. But like, if the only way I'm firing Mike McCarthy is if Bill Belichick's going there.
0: That's what I'm saying. If you're Bill Belichick and you just met with Arthur Blank and the Falcons, oh, okay, well, you know what? I just want to see if if the Eagles or the Cowboys come calling. Those might be better situations. We'll see. Um, all right, let's do some fantasy talk here, and let's get one winner and one loser from Wild Card Weekend. Dave, who's a winner?
1: I I, I can't stop thinking about Rashi Rice and what he could potentially be next year. And just an awesome game against the Dolphins. And I went and I looked. What's his target share been lately? Now that he's been like basically the main receiver for Kansas City, since like maybe a little past the midpoint of the season. And here's what it is. One, two, three, four, five, six. His last seven games, including the playoffs, his target share has been at least 21% in each game and 25% or more in all but one. So it's very clear to me that he's become a trusted part in the Kansas City offense. I don't think that's anything that's shocking anybody. But I wonder if he's playing well enough now that Kansas City thinks – yeah, we're going to add another wide receiver to the offense, but it doesn't have to be a game breaker. It doesn't have to be somebody that's going to move in and immediately be the number one. Maybe they think Rashi Rice is the number one receiver moving forward. And I love the sound of that and he's played really, really well.
2: We just talked about that on on, on Heath's Dynasty show. I was was one of his guests during the mock draft and I took Rice uh, I believe it was the fourth round, which I was a little surprised that he fell that far. Um, And uh, the Part of the conversation was um, Nico Collins went right in front of him, and so I, I I said almost the exact same thing, Dave. Like, has he done enough that they don't make they don't have to go and break the bank on one of these guys that are going to become available if they so are inclined to go to Kansas City? You know, T. Higgins, Michael Pittman. Again, these guys may not get free, but the ones that are potential free agents, uh, Mike Evans. You know, these type of players that you know can certainly help their team. But also, is it, you know, does that put him maybe in the secondary market, you know, for like a Marquise Brown type of player, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a headliner, uh, because clearly they have to plan for life after Travis Kelsey. But, you know, clearly what uh, he he accomplished, um, if you want to take a look at, at the top 24 rankings on our site, uh, there's a story on that you won't see it under our rankings list. But we all the three of us and, and four other members of our staff, Heath, Dan, uh, Chris Towers and Jacob Gibbs, all submitted our top 24. And I know off the top of my head that I have him in the top 24, Rice, and Jacob does. And I believe Jacob is the highest on him, uh, has him like almost in the mid-teens. Um, he's a top 12 receiver for me. Love the setup for him. Um, again, that'll change if somebody of, of significance comes in. But, you know, after Jason Kelsey retires, you know, who knows if Travis decides to join him as well. And they could be looking at an entirely new crew there in in Kansas City, just not just Rice uh, as the as the only receiving option.
0: Yeah, so we have a question here in the chat. Is Rasheed Rice going back end of round two next year in full PPR? And that's why Jamie was talking about the top 24. In the draft that we did last week, I believe Dave took him 37th overall right after, or maybe I had the swing pick. So so you might have taken him 38th overall after I took Jalen Waddell and T. Higgins. I think Rasheed Rice was the the pick right after. And honestly, why didn't I take Rasheed Rice? Okay, because we were using last year's rankings and I didn't see Rasheed Rice. So I probably would have... Possibly would have taken him was a little safer pick, but I also think if the Chiefs go out and lose this week and have a bad offensive showing at the Bills, it's going to light a fire under them to go out and address the wide receiver position. So that that will could certainly change him. I, I just have a, a hard time figuring out. Like, I mean, he just doesn't do anything downfield for a guy with a, an A dot as low as Rasheed Rice. It's crazy, but it's kind of reminding me of Amandra St. Brown.
2: Sure, six, remind you of uh, Jalen Waddle too
0: as a rookie. Yep. But we knew at least Waddle in his profile in Alabama was a huge like deep play sure. guy, but yeah. Like let's look at the last 6 games for a Rice of the regular season. Uh 43 catches, 518 yards, 3 touchdowns. Amonra St. Brown, better. 51 catches, 560 yards, 5 touchdowns. But that was the last 6 games of his rookie season and, and we all discredited it, you know. Well, Hawkinson was hurt and there J- Jameson Williams right. and that. Maybe it's just a true breakout and a, a stud. All right, Jamie, who's your winner from Wildcard Card Weekend?
2: Uh, to avoid the low-hanging fruit of the quarterbacks, I'll go with a guy that's going to make things tough on their franchise next year, and I think that's Aaron Jones. Um, coming off the three-touchdown game, it's now four games in a row with over 100 yards receiving. For a guy that just turned 29 in December, uh, fairly impressive to see what he was able to accomplish. Now, what they do this offseason is going to be fascinating because the quarterback is a stud. The receiving core is set in place to be, you know, fantastic, you know, based on what we've seen from, you know, at times from their top four guys factoring the tight end, too. And do they bring back Aaron Jones, who has a big cap number next year um, for for one more year going into his age 30 season? He won't be 30 again until December, but um, missed six games due to injuries. uh, But you saw what he was able to do when healthy. A.J. Dillon's a free agent. I don't think they bring him back. I think they probably draft to replace uh, their backfield. So probably they restructure again. Uh, he restructured this year to stay. So give him bring him back on a team friendly deal, you know, up front, you know, put the money up front. So he gets something for this season, you know, similar to what he's probably going to get paid. And then does he have the ability to still be a starting fantasy option? I think people, if he has another big game against San Francisco, will probably reach for him too soon based on name and, and past history. We saw that with guys like Derek Henry and Austin Eckler to various degrees. Uh, but obviously Aaron Jones, I think in the right spot, for your fantasy team, for me, it would be probably like round six if he's still the guy there. Uh, will be a good number two running back that at times you'll have to probably replace, but clearly this offense is pointing in the right direction.
0: Four straight games with more than 20 carries and more than 110 rushing yards for Aaron Jones. Pretty crazy. And the three rushing touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys. So a great finish to the season for him, no matter what happens against San Francisco. Uh, do you think you would go with uh, Aaron Jones... Or um, Raheem Mostert next year?
2: I will not draft Raheem Mostert next year. Right.
0: Yeah, I know. It's interesting. I mean, I feel like a is going to be a top 20 pick or something like that. But if they bring Mostert back, he's got one year left on his deal. Is he really not going to be the lead running back? It's not like he was bad. He was great.
2: No, but he'll be 32. I mean, that's just not the type of player that I'll be drafting. So, you know, late round pick, if he's still on the board, sure. But um, yeah, I'm. I'm very curious what Miami does with their backfield. You know, does do they bring back Mostert? Do they bring back Wilson? You know, who's the complement to HN? Because clearly he's going to need a complement. You know, he didn't stay healthy during his rookie campaign, and I don't know if they want to put all that on all that work on him. Um, so it, it could it could be Mostert. Doesn't doesn't wouldn't surprise me. You know, given his relationship with McDaniel and, and the and the staff there. But uh, you'd hope to see maybe somebody a little bit with, you know, youthful. I guess would be the best. Not not
1: better, but but younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mostert went in round six in our first post-regular season PPR mock, and Aaron Jones went in round eight. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw those two guys swap by the time we get to August and maybe even further for Mostert, just based on what the Dolphins figure to do.
0: All right, wild card losers. Uh, Dave, you can go first again. Wild card loser?
1: So this is one where I think the low-hanging fruit makes sense to talk about and it's to a tongue of Iloa and he's just been a big loser like coming into the playoffs and then running into Kansas City he was just a total mess and what happens if 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 he struggles to start next year what's the Dolphins plan and how does that impact Tyreek and Waddle is it going to come down to Tyreek making one or two huge plays or Waddle getting chances to see a bump in targets when other teammates are missing this offense is in trouble because I'm not sure that Tua is going to be um, put back into a position where he can make big plays every single week. I, 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 I'm real curious how the Dolphins move forward offensively. I was asked, what would you do? Would you keep Tua or would you cut him? I mean, you can't really cut him. I think what they should do is improve the offensive line, give Tua a chance to start next year. Draft somebody if you want to, or find a free agent on the cheap. And then if he stinks, it's a contract year for him. You let him go. You draft another quarterback, and at least you've got the offensive line ready to roll moving forward for your new quarterback. Okay. Well, you're saying draft somebody next year this this coming draft. I don't think they have to do it this draft. I, I would, if I were them, like the price tag for two is too high. I think they've got to keep him as their starter, but build the offensive line up. So, that plan, the plan would be to just put a new quarterback there who could hopefully succeed if Tua struggles in 2024.
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything but running it back for them next year in, in, in almost the exact same capacity with, you know, tweaking some things. Clearly, sure. you know, you're hearing a lot of things about they need to get tougher. I don't know, you know, they weren't tough, but they just didn't win, you know, close games. You know, they ran the ball as well as anybody. They certainly put up points as well as anybody in the beginning of the season. Offensive line fell apart, and that, I think that was a big part of it. So, yes, building up the offensive line is is certainly important. Um, but I think Tua just kind of showed you what he was. You know, it's funny. He was drafted as the 13th quarterback and he's probably going to get drafted 13 through 15 again this year, you know, based on how, you know, at least the rankings are looking from what the seven of us submitted. I think there's only one or two people that had Tua inside the top 12. And so then you factor in the rookies coming into this class and, and what that's going to look like and he will probably get pushed down another spot or two. So he's still going to be a good fantasy quarterback. And certainly somebody that can win you weeks—he's proven that, you know, time and time again over the last couple of seasons under Mike McDaniel. But um, I don't think anything changes for Tyreek Hill. Uh, I don't think really anything changes for Jalen Waddle, you know. So uh, unfortunately, he's probably still going to be one of those mid to lower tier number two receivers, uh, whereas Tyreek is still going to be one of the top five receivers in fantasy oh, as long as they tell. Them.
0: You're spoiling, so, you're spoiling uh, our one question for the Dolphins. Uh,
2: well, I mean, teasing, it, teasing. It in a different
0: it, teasing it. Yeah, no, no. The question is about Jalen Waddle, actually, and. Um, we'll get into him uh, in a little yeah, bit.
2: what idiot took him over, Rashi <laughs> <your> Rice? <life. laughs>
0: an idiot who needed updated rankings. Um, all right, uh, so, okay, Jamie, sorry, you're a loser. You're a loser.
2: Uh, I'm going to take the lower-hanging fruit, which is uh, Jalen Hurts. And, you know, uh, that was a miserable performance for the entire team, um, obviously missing A.J. Brown, but five rushing yards, and the tush-push got stopped, and now Jason Kelsey's gone. And so you know if the Tush Push is banned, which I don't know if that'll happen, but um, if he if he uh, you know loses arguably his best offensive line, I mean, you can make a Case of Lane Johnsons you know better, but Jason Kelsey certainly is a Hall of Famer, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, there's no doubt now who the number one quarterback is. It's 100% Josh Allen. You know, so we'll see what the offseason looks like for the Bills if Stephon Diggs leaves. However, it all finishes. But uh, there was I think some. You know, maybe a potential debate of Allen versus Hurts. No, it's Allen.
0: What but Hurts now what has to hold on. Gone?
2: I think to the second spot.
0: What if Diggs huh? is gone?
2: I mean, look what he's been able to accomplish with Diggs doing nothing. And again, the threat of Diggs is certainly there. So you gotta, you know, take that into account. And we have to see what they replace Diggs with if Diggs does leave. But Josh Allen, I think, is just on a different level right now, and you know what he's able to do still with his legs tied. Jalen Hurts in the regular season for rushing touchdowns, and that was without the benefit of doing the same things, you know, from the tush push standpoint. Um, I just think that Hurts now went from, and and again, another you know conversation on the on the Dynasty podcast. Heath was asking this. Uh, I didn't know Dave had the third pick. I had the fourth pick to Superflex Dynasty uh, draft, and uh, I was you know going to be. Curious what I would do if Dave passed on Hurts because Heath was asking the question, has C.J. Stroud moved ahead of Jalen Hurts from a dynasty perspective at this point? Um, I don't think so, but, you know, it's kind of showing you the direction that Hurts is right now uh, where he was, I think, maybe, you know, slam dunk top three with Mahomes and and Josh Allen. And he still should probably be there, but it's – the the, the luster is off a little bit, so – um, not just because of this game, I think just the way that the whole season unfolded at the end of the year. And if they change head coaches, things may change also for Jalen Hurts. So um, he's he's somebody that got a little bit of a downgrade.
0: Yeah, it's it's ugly. I mean, it just doesn't look good for for Jalen Hurts. I, I'm curious just how hurt he was. Yeah, obviously, he's got the finger injury, but I just feel like he's been banged up so much this year. Um, well, and- I mean, you,
2: you, you saw it even on, on the failed tush push. Like, they tried to take his head off. Like, they're putting him in such yes. positions to get hit Often and that's not good.
0: Which, by the way, was a penalty that didn't get called. <laughs> sure. I mean, that, you know, they they did stop, and I was blown away that they stopped the tush bush, but it was illegal as hell. Um. All right. Uh, I'm just gonna say my quick quick loser here for me is the Packers wide receivers. I just, I mean, it, over and over again, it's a new guy every week. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And uh, J- Jordan to his credit. He'll just he'll just spread that ball around. He's not even throwing Aaron Jones right now. So I I do wonder if we're going to be able to get any consistency from any of those guys next year. Uh, Hopefully we have another game. We'll see who steps up this week. But it was Romeo Dobbs against the Cowboys. Uh, You know what to do at Sports Podcast Awards. Vote, 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 vote for fantasy football today. Sportspodcastawards.com. Click vote now. Best fantasy betting and gaming podcast is the category. Vote for fantasy football today. It takes about 30 seconds to vote. You can scan that QR code or click the link in the episode description. You have about 10 to 12 days left to make this happen and help us win this award. We're going to take a break. We'll go through all the news and notes and one question for each eliminated team when we come back on fantasy football today.
2: Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: We are back. Give you some head coaching news. We had an offensive coordinator who has been fired. We just found out breaking news a few minutes ago, so we'll get to that. Um, I did post a picture of a sandwich over the weekend, Jamie, that you, you got to leave the stick in for Schneier there. That was a chicken and waffle chicken and waffle sandwich.
2: Yeah, just use a fork and knife.
0: Yeah, I, I had to. It was too sloppy. It oh, was so good. Bacon bits, bacon bits on top. Maple syrup, damn. That's I. That's like the second time I've ever had chicken and waffles. That's a very good brunch dish. Okay. Uh, the Patriots hired Gerard Mayo to be their head coach. Jamie went to college at the same. You didn't go with him, right? He was way past. But he's younger than me. Younger than you, yeah. Probably, probably my time. He was very good at the University of Florida, but I don't know. We have we have Gerard Mayo going to the Patriots. We have no comment on Mike McCarthy. Uh, Nick Sirianni rumors, Mike Tomlin walking out of his presser when asked about his contract. He has a year left. We don't have any, a lot. Yeah, Maybe, Dave, maybe the biggest news for us to react to right now is, just, really, it's, it's offensive coordinator stuff that's bigger for us, is Pete Carmichael out as the Saints offensive coordinator. Uh, so I don't know, your thoughts on any or all of the coaching stuff going on?
1: Well, I think it's interesting that Robert Kraft decided to hold the Mayo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, look, Carmichael's been in new Orleans for a long time, but I believe, uh, the last two years, hold on a sec. I got to clear my throat. The last two years, (laughs) he, uh, he, he's been calling the plays for them. And I, I look, it's not like the, the offense really was amazing. I like how they played toward the end of the year, but they didn't win enough. And, uh, and they decided to move on from him it'll give an opportunity for someone else to come in and be an OC and try and, and make good things happen with Chris Olave and yeah everybody else that's there that's young like Taysom Hill uh no i know Taysom Hill is like 35 years old <laughs> i'm i'm on a roll today He's I'll, heating up i'll stop with it um bottom line is that there's definitely room for improvement in New Orleans but they got to they i don't know what they're doing at quarterback they're almost in the same boat the dolphins are in where they're pretty much forced to stick with Carr for a year and see where it goes from there. But I don't think anybody's going to take them seriously as being a powerhouse offense with Derek Carr.
0: Yeah, Actually, we have a comment in the chat from Eric. who says, Adam, I'm so upset about the Eagles, I can't even type in the chat. My hands are still shaking. I, you had it's to like, have seen this coming, Eric. I mean, they, they were a sinking ship, you know? Come on. It nope. seems like he
2: typed in the chat.
0: <laughs> he had someone do it for him. Uh, yeah. And someone said, nice NBA jam reference. Thank you. I've been working on that. I've been teaching my son that I said, Hey, when you make two shots in a row, we have this like little tykes hoop downstairs. You know, you can say, you say, uh, he's heating. you say I'm heating up. And then when you make three in a row, you say, I'm on fire. So he keeps making shots and going, I'm fired. Like, no, that's not, that's so, what supposed to yell.
2: So since you never make three in a row, what do you say?
1: <laughs> Adam says he's on fire after one in a row. <laughs>
0: That's on fire for me. All right, some Dolphins stuff. GM Chris Greer said the goal is to have Tua Tungavailoa stay with the team long term. So at least publicly, they say they're committing to him. However, his left tackle, Teron Armstead, might retire. Armstead's getting up there in age, and he's hurt all the time, so he did not commit to coming back. Mike McDaniel is open-minded about giving up play-calling duties. What? People are overreacting, I think, but Okay. Um, and Raheem Mostert does not need offseason. That could be
2: an effort to keep Frank Smith, though.
0: Oh, uh, that's a great point, yeah. He's getting interviewed. Um, Raheem Mostert, according to beat writer Adam Beasley, does not need offseason surgery. There's some Dolphins news. All right, Jason Kelsey is reportedly going to retire. Who is the better Kelsey, in your opinion? It's all said and done. Man, what a family. Uh,
2: better question is more accomplished brothers in the NFL. Mannings or
1: Kelsey's? Mannings have more Super Bowls, right? Man- Mannings have more Super Bowls.
0: Do they? Mannings have three, and the Chiefs have how many? Two?
1: Mannings have four. Correct.
0: Oh, the won with the Broncos. <laughs>
1: My bad. It was only Super Bowl 50, Adam.
0: <laughs> he wasn't even good that year, though, was he?
1: Somehow uh, no. they
0: won the game. No. Yeah. Kelsey's have two. Uh, three. Kelsey's have Three. Chiefs said yeah. won three.
2: Chiefs said oh, won two. Oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, Kel- oh right. <laughs> I forgot about the uh, Doug Peterson Eagles.
2: The greatest, maybe, uh, parade speech in history.
0: Mm. Well, that I remember.
2: Um, well, you remember the speech, but not that how he got it. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, um, well, you remember
2: no, no. his outfit. You don't remember the speech. <laughs> All right, so, so three for the Kelseys, four uh, for the Mannings.
0: No, it's two and three, but sure, it's three and four, whatever.
2: Okay. Um, I mean, you could argue, obviously, that... Kelsey is the best player at his position ever. And I'm sorry, which, which, Kel-
0: Kelsey. <laughs> which Kelsey are you talking about?
2: Travis Kelsey. I thought I said Travis. Um, but some people think Jason Kelsey is the best center.
0: Ever. So he's a six-time first-team All-Pro and on, from CBSSports.com, of the 54 players in NFL history that have earned six or more first-team All-Pro selections, all of them are in the Hall of Fame except for the ones that are still active, Aaron Donald, Zach Martin, and Bobby Wagner. Uh but so that's amazing. That's I think Travis Kelsey is a four-time first team all pro. But Kelsey is really, in case you're not aware, he is that good. He is up there, one of the best centers of all time.
2: Yeah. I don't think he's the best, but he's he's in the conversation. I, I would say the Kelsey's are more accomplished as players. I mean, yeah. Eli exactly. won two Super Bowls, but I don't think anybody puts him in that category of player.
0: No. Uh Eagles defensive end Brandon Graham wants to play his 15th and final season for the Eagles. Rams tight end Tyler Higby may have torn his ACL. Jordan Love had the highest quarterback rating in postseason history. And I believe I saw that Tucker Kraft dropped a pass in the fourth quarter. And if he had not done that, it would have been a perfect passer rating.
2: Well, Stroud was right behind him.
0: And then the, you know, I didn't keep up with all of the Bills injuries, but I do know that Christian Benford, one of their quarterbacks, cornerbacks left with an injury. They were already missing cornerback Rasul Douglas and safety Taylor Rapp. So it's kind of an underrated storyline, but the Bills' defense, and they also lost a linebacker, one of their best linebackers.
1: Their best one, Terrell Bernard.
0: Yeah, so we got to check their injury report going into the game, but I am a lot less confident now in the Bills than I was because they they got seriously banged up against the uh, Steelers, and hopefully they can get healthy in time for the game. And Noah Brown will not be playing this week. He is on IR with a back injury, so he's out for the season, however long that lasts. All right, one question for each eliminated team. Let's start with the Browns. Who should get drafted first, David Njoku or Amari Cooper? Who's the quarterback? It's definitely Deshaun Watson.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, do they have buyer's remorse? Um, I would say Amari Cooper.
0: What'd you say, Dave? You said Cooper, too?
2: I said
1: Cooper, too. Njoku's numbers with Watson were bad. Agreed, yes. And Coopers, by comparison, were really good.
0: Yeah, Watson has this thing for Elijah Moore. So uh, here are the numbers in just the Deshaun Watson games. He played six games. I'm not counting the game but he threw for 10 yards and left after I think five pass attempts. Five so games. now, this is
1: five games, right? So yeah,
0: five games with really Deshaun Watson playing 90 percent or, or more of the stats. I'll just give you. The, uh, I can give you the. You want the 17 game pace or the five games?
1: Or would you rather the fantasy point averages? You How many give, Super Bowls did the make?
0: You can give me that after. Here's the 17 game pace based on the five games with Watson Amari Cooper, 95 catches, 1,632 yards, and seven touchdowns. Um, Elijah Moore, 75 catches, 632 yards, three touchdowns on 116 targets. And Njoku was on pace for only 88 targets. 68 catches, 598 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, But Cooper was incredible with everybody that wasn't Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, And then what's he's getting
2: older? You gotta you gotta worry about that a little bit for Cooper. But still, I I think this is this is his like he's not. I don't think he's thirty yet. I think he's twenty nine. Yeah, this he'll be thirty next year. So this this feels like his Evans Allen year you know, one last great season and then move on
0: Well, the the 2023 or you think 2024
2: 2024. I think he has Uh, one more good year. Maybe not to those heights, but you know, good, good enough season. Yeah. 1600 yards seems a little high. (laughs) Well, Watson staying healthy also seems a little high.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, just take a look at where they went in this mock draft. Dave, what's the fantasy points?
1: 17.6 PPR points per game for Cooper. For Njoku, it was 8.3 PPR points per game and 4.3 non-PPR points per game on five five games of the targets per game. Five games. Yep. Where A's are statting out the, the yeah. game that yep. he, you know, he barely played in. By comparison with Flacco, Njoku averaged 18.2 PPR points per game and 12.2 non-PPR points per game. <laughs> More than double he with was Flacco. He Flacco. He was awesome. And so the hope is that the Browns <laughs> realize that or that Deshaun maybe realizes that you got to use Najoku more. stopped. Well, The, the, Elijah the first the
2: game so. is, is the best example they could show because both guys were awesome. Clearly um, Amari was a
1: monster, but both guys had big games net. Right. So keep working on uh, implementing Najoku in the game plan and hopefully Watson will settle on him.
0: In his last 11 games of the regular season. He scored double... Well, including the postseason, double-digit PPR points in 11 of his last 12 games. This is David Njoku. He scored 16 or more PPR fantasy points in each of his last five games with Flacco, including the postseason. He just was great after the first five games. And I were probably four different quarterbacks in that stretch in those last uh, 12 games, including the postseason. J- 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 Joku was great. J- Jokey finished as the number six tight end in fantasy per game. And in the draft, and this will be the last thing I'll say on this, in the draft we did last week, Cooper went with the 10th pick of round four and Jokey went with the 8th pick of round six. So a two-round difference. Our next question is for the Miami Dolphins. Do you expect a Jalen Waddell bounce back? Jalen Waddle was the number 22 wide receiver per game. And in 2022, he was a top 12 guy overall. Uh, And he was, let me see, uh, number eight overall and number 14 per game. So do you expect, Dave, a Jalen Waddle bounce back?
1: No. I think we know what he is now. I hate to say it because he's very talented. But as long as everybody's healthy, in that Dolphins offense, I just don't think there's enough to go around for Waddle to be where he was. Where was he? Like last year, 13 games with Tua, he averaged 16.8 PPR points per game. I, I, I've got a hard time believing he can ever get back there, given how the Dolphins operated this year and how they should probably continue to operate next year. What do you think, Jamie? Uh, I don't
2: think he gets back to that, but I think he 100% bounces back. He was hurt all the time. And so just by nature of him being healthy, he'll be better than the 22nd receiver per game. So will he get back to being top 12? No, but 17, 18, 15 in that range, 100% if he's healthy. Yes.
0: Yeah, he didn't play that many snaps this year. He played last year, 2022. Waddle played more than 70% of the snaps in 13 of 17 games. This year, he played more than 70% of the snaps in six of 14 games. He just was not on the field. And honestly, there are a lot of metrics that were really encouraging for him. Target per route run rate, way up. 27% target per route run rate this year. Yards or, or, uh, yards per route run, up. Catch rate, up 5%. The biggest thing that was missing, two things. One, playing time, and two, deep balls. It just didn't have those big explosive plays. So that's, you know, look, that's not easy to do, but that hurt his numbers. I, I think I, 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 it, I think it's great.
2: I think they also fell victim a little bit in the middle of the season of Tyreek chasing 2000 and trying to make that a focal point a little bit too much. And so I think that hurt Jalen Watt a little bit. But look, the run game was awesome, and that took away from it, you know, especially when H.M. was on his game. Uh, but... If you tell me that I'm getting Jalen Waddle at a discounted price, like where you got him in the draft, Adam, wasn't the wrong spot. I think, again, there were a couple guys that went after him that I would have taken over him in that draft. But if you tell me end of round three, beginning of round four, in a three-receiver PPR league that I can still get Jalen Waddle, I'll take that all day long.
0: Yeah, and that was 36. And Dave, are you okay with Waddle there, do you think that was too early for Waddle?
1: It's going to be right around where I would start to consider him. I'd like to do some sort of comparison of his dot over each of the past three years. I'm in the middle of looking at that right now. Last year, lower. it was 10.4, which is a little bit behind Tyreek and well behind some other receivers on them.
0: Now, when you say last year, you mean 2023? Yeah. Okay. It's probably, yeah, I, I don't know. what Last year could be 2022. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, what season you were We're still to. in the
2: 2023 season. I like to say this past season.
0: Yeah, let's just say the year, I think. Yeah. All right, let's go to Dallas. One question for Dallas. Can Jake Ferguson become a true must-start tight end, Jamie?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, he was this year, and you know what Dak's history is with tight ends. You know, you go back to Jason Witten, to Dalton Schultz, to what he did with Ferguson this year. You know, um, he was a kid's schoolmaker. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, maybe may a little bit of an issue if they decide to give him a little more opportunities, but I think they've kind of found what they... You know, like in Ferguson, you know, you heard throughout the course of the season from the broadcast, which means is what they're talking about in their in their pre uh, pre broadcast meetings about him being the enforcer, you know, and the team kind of relies on him to be sort of like their, their, uh, their hockey guy, you know, if anybody gets in trouble, you know, he's right there to defend them. So I I think they like what he brings. I think he certainly proved that he could play. He certainly proved that he can be productive. He proved that he could be a good fantasy option. So I mean, given what he uh, what he was able to accomplish in 10 catches, three touchdowns in in the postseason. I know it was a lot of garbage time with them coming back, trying to chase points against Packers. But I think just speaks to Dak's reliance on him. So the second uh, the second receiver is still, I think, a mystery for Dallas moving forward because Brandon Cook's at his age. Michael Gallup, you know, clearly has not delivered uh, coming back from the ACL. I think Ferguson is clearly that second guy.
1: He averaged 10.3 PPR points per game in nine games when he had at least seven targets. That rose to 12.6. I don't think that that's any shocker. Dalton Schultz in 2022 averaged 9.5 PPR points per game. Schultz in 2021 had 11.8. He was with Dallas those years. So Ferguson's taken over that role. I don't think that role is changing anytime soon. To call him a must-start fantasy tight end means what exactly? Like a top twelve right. tight end? No,
0: no. So I guess he's like, that for sure. Yeah, because Jamie said he was a must-start tight end this year. So he, he was, was number ten per game, number nine overall in PPR. Uh, to me, not a must. Not one of the true must starts. You know, I mean, seven hundred and sixty-one yards and five touchdowns in seventeen games, and the number ten tight end per game in both non and full PPR. By the way. Uh, that's not a must-start to me. I will rephrase it then. Um,
1: well, let's let's compare him to Njoku. Yeah, like Njoku... Who are you drafting those, first between those oh, two? Oh, Njoku by a, by a mile. I would as well. But, I,
0: you know, Trey McBride became a must-start. Njoku became a must-start. I don't really think Ferguson reached that level to me, but maybe there's a different word I should be using for it. I don't want to say elite, because no one's going to say he's going to be elite, but, like, tier two, you know top six type of tight end? Do you think he's... No, I don't think he there? gets
2: there. But, I, I I, mean, again, what was Jason Witten? What was Dalton Schultz? What is Jake Ferguson? You know, they're touchdown-dependent type of guys. Occasionally, they'll have a 70- or 80-yard game that you'll be like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> you know, but it's not exactly like... Like you said, you know, the, the top... Five or six guys, you know, if you want to extend it, maybe seven or eight guys are, are somewhat locked in going into the season that I don't think really there's going to be a lot of change. Maybe Bowers changes that if he ends up in the right situation, and people get too excited about it, but he's not going to, you don't consider him better than LaPorta or McBride or, uh, or Kelsey at this point, or Andrews or Kincaid, I think, you know, is trending in that direction as well. Um, you know, is he in that next group with a Hawkinson coming back from an injury? Yeah, I would put him close to that if Hawkinson's right. He's certainly better. Um, Evan Ingram, if you know, building off what he did last year, especially when when Christian Kirk was out, so if they move on from Calvin Ridley, you get that type of upside. I'd take Ingram over him. You said you said Njoku. We see the upside of what of what he can be. So those guys are certainly going to get drafted ahead of him, but in that next group and waiting on tight end, great or late, you know, he's in that late category that you could feel very comfortable about taking him as your number one guy.
1: Here's another fun fact: Njoku had 17 red zone targets. Travis Kelsey had 20 red zone targets. Jake Ferguson led all tight ends with 27 red zone targets.
0: Wow. Yeah. He also
1: had 12 yeah. end zone targets. Yeah. Like he's, he ranks high among wide receivers mm-hmm. in those categories. And that's just part of what his role is in Dallas. And I don't think it's changing.
0: Yeah. I took him in the, with the last pick of the 11th round in the draft we did last week. I was one of the last people, maybe the second to last to take a tight end.
2: Let's right. You'll, you'll probably back. get some, Oh, Luke Musgrave is better than him or, you know, depending on what what the what the Texans look like. Dalton Schultz, you know, people might get excited about him if he's still the guy there in, in, in Houston. What or about again, Bowers in Chicago. combat uh, in Chicago. You know, I, I think these are all guys in the same canoe. You know, if you're looking at it from who can be starter safe versus starter upside, you know, and I think Ferguson is starter safe as opposed to
0: starter upside. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we'll talk about the Rams, the Steelers, and the Eagles when we come back on Fantasy Football today. Yeah, probably the most exciting game of the weekend. Detroit 24 and the Rams 23, probably. Yeah, no, it was definitely definitely the most exciting game of the weekend. Oh, by far. wasn't a great weekend. I was disappointed. But uh, the Rams go home, unfortunately, one-point losers. But Puka Nakua goes crazy with nine catches, 181 yards, and a touchdown on 10 targets. My question for the Rams is, why not draft Puka Nakua, the number six wide receiver per game in full PPR as a rookie? Why not draft him in the first round, Jamie?
2: So he's in the conversation, you know, I, I think based on the draft that we just did, you took Garrett Wilson at 13th overall. There's certainly a case that Puka's better than than Garrett Wilson, you know, maybe not based on talent, but based on situation and opportunity. Uh, and definitely, you know, where, where the quarterbacks are trending right now, because Stafford was awesome this year. you know, can you trust a 40 year old Aaron Rodgers coming back from an Achilles injury uh, behind that offensive line? So I have no problem if you want to say he's in the early part of the second round or the late part of the first round. You know, it feels like there's going to be some regression coming because teams will figure out maybe how to defend him and how to defend the Rams, if that's a thing, because Sean McVay has been doing this forever uh, since he's been in the NFL. It was Cooper Cup, always open. Now Puga Nakua, always open. He's a member of the Breakfast Club, so it's not like he's changing and and Stafford's (laughs) going to be not relying on him. And you saw how the season you know finished where – it was okay. Can you know we had this debate how many times Puka or or Cup? You know who's the better of the two on a week in week out basis, and it was Nakua by a mile to end the season. You know just how he finished and 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 Matthew Stafford relying on him. So he definitely is in the conversation. If it's a very heavy receiver draft, three receiver PPR league, you can certainly put him at the back end of the first round. If you start to get skittish about the running back starting with Kyron Williams and Devon Achan and. um Travis Etienne and those guys are going to go back into the first round, beginning of the second round. I certainly get it. You know, so he's got star written all over him. He played that way. He performed that way in his first playoff game. He was just an absolute stud. So you just hope that it's not a one-year wonder. I don't think it is. So back into the first round certainly can
1: be in in the conversation.
0: Okay. Dave, there's nothing to add, Dave? I mean,
1: the only thing I would say is he's probably a tier two wide receiver. I can't put him ahead of any of the tier one guys, Lamb, Tyreek, Jefferson, Chase, and Ra. Like, those guys are going to go ahead of him. Uh, You measure him up against A.J. Brown, measure him up against D.J. Moore, Chris Olave. Like, I think you can make the case for Puka over all those guys. I got to remember to say the K in his first name (laughs) when I talk about him. Uh, 18.7 or more PPR points on 9.7 targets per game. In each of his final three meaningful games with Cup, the pitfalls are obviously Cup is healthy next year. Uh, what happens if Stafford goes down? What happens if the Rams add another wide receiver? Like, there's all kinds of little things that could come into play. But I, I, I don't know if I see a path where his target slides so far that he's not worth at least a second round pick.
2: Well, two things you said there, though. One, they did have another receiver. I mean, De- Demarcus Robinson was putting up pretty fantastic numbers. So whether it's him or somebody doing things like him, there was another mouth to feed there. And and the thing with Stafford, I mean, you can say that with every quarterback. You know, Adam made this case about C.D. Lamb. You know, what happens if Dak Prescott goes down? Or I think sure. it was more the other way around. He right, would, right. Yeah, right. It was
0: what happens again. if Lamb.
2: But, but I mean, you know, we, we went through this all last year with, with Tua about what Jalen Waddle looked like and what Tyreek Hill would be if Tua went down, you know, so – you know, any of these quarterbacks that have issues, you can certainly, you know, point to that and say, okay, it's a problem. Look what happened to Jamar Chase when uh Joe Burrow went down. So I don't want to make that part of the, the discussion. Um, but it's it's something I guess you put in the back of your mind.
0: All right. Next question is for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the question is for 2024, Najee Harris or Jalen Warren. Najee Harris, they both played 17 games, so they finished higher, you know, first full season and per game. Najee finished higher than Warren in both non and half PPR. Warren was better than Najee Harris in full PPR, finishing number 20 overall. Uh, 29th per game, though, Jalen Warren. And none of them, neither of them, were top 24 per game in any format. But Dave, who do you like better, Najee Harris or Jalen Warren in 2024?
1: Don't love either one of them. I, I could easily see Pittsburgh moving forward with a different running back than either of these guys. Um, but if I had to pick between these two, it's Warren because of his role in the passing game. Jamie? Why would they move on from these guys? Because they're not great. They're not great. They're just not great running backs. Yeah, they'll fill the on, role. On from they can, they can address field. other positions like quarterback and keep yeah, them for another I year, see. I suppose. I don't see but them if they have on. the chance to get another running back who's more explosive and can handle the wear and tear. Yeah, they're, I mean, maybe I, absolutely I just, do it.
2: I don't, I don't see that happening at all. Um, I, I think the thing that you look at first off who's the quarterback. That's the biggest question. Uh, coach clearly as well. Um, I, I would I would give a slightly important nod. get carries. Um Warren, a lot of his receiving numbers came from non Kenny Pickett quarterbacks. And so how much of that matters? You know, because he went on this big spike at the end of the season with his role in the passing game when it was Trubisky and, and Rudolph, as opposed to what he did with Pickett the majority of the season. He certainly has catches with Pickett, but it was a little different. So um I give a slight lean toward toward Najee, but I wouldn't want to draft either one as a starter.
0: I think if you want to be optimistic about, yeah, right, we're not going to get drafted as a starter. If you want to be optimistic about Najee Harris, he did have a better year, four point one yards per carry, which is which was a career high. But he also had eight carries of twenty or more yards. Problem is, none of them went longer than twenty five yards. So he just he's never going to give you a breakaway. Probably not going to give you a breakaway run. I think his longest run he has eight hundred and thirty four carries. His longest run is thirty seven yards. So that's we know what he is, but. He does score touchdowns when they're near the goal line. He did it in the second half of last season. He did it a little bit in the second half of this season. They've just had a terrible offense. They, st- I mean, they're like bottom five in scoring two straight years. If they can get their offense together, then maybe Najee could, could be a, a reliable number two running back. Meanwhile, Jalen Warren, his advanced metrics are, are among the best among running backs. You know, I won't go through all the numbers, but... Yards before contact, yards after contact, explosive run rate, avoid rate. I mean, he's one of the the highest in all of those. EPA, success rate, top 20 in those. When I looked at running backs with 100 or more carries, just don't think he's ever going to get a lot of carries, unfortunately.
2: Well, I I think the thing, if if the approach is you want to take one of these running backs, you take the one that's last, and— you know, then you're getting maybe a, a, a flex option that you can use. Because if you're, you know, look, Najee was was one of the more overdrafted players this season, certainly the beginning part of the draft process. You know, once everybody saw Jalen Warren perform in the preseason, he was one of the most hyped sleepers that we've ever seen. And so I think you look at Warren and what he can become, you know, it almost feels like we were talking the same thing about the Dallas situation a couple of years ago, you know, with Zeke and, and Tony Pollard. That was the clear comp that you know was was made this past season. So if Warren gets more opportunities then you'd love to see that. But I don't think the Steelers
1: are are changing their approach again unless the coach changes. And they had so many opportunities to change their approach this year. How many weeks do we sit here going, you know, Najee looks terrible. This offense is better with Warren and they never made the move. I think that they just weren't comfortable with Warren being a feature back. Right. And I don't know if they ever will be.
0: Okay, last team would be the Philadelphia Eagles. And our question is just in general about their running backs. Do you think we can get a top 12 running back on the Philadelphia Eagles? Can a Eagles can an Eagles running back be a top 12 running back? And before anybody says, "Oh, Miles Sanders 2 years ago." Yes, Miles Sanders 2 years ago was top 12 overall, but was not per game. Um, per game in in full PPR, he was 15th. Uh, no, he was 22nd. Uh, in half PPR, he was 18th per game. In non-PPR, Sanders in 2022 was 13th per game. But he did finish overall top 12 in uh non-and-half PPR. But, sorry, long-winded question. Can, the, can an Eagles running back, Jamie, be a top 12 running back?
2: Yeah, if they draft the right one. I don't think he's on the roster.
0: All right, because the reason I'm asking is, it's a great situation. I mean, look, Kelsey's gone, but you know, you you got a you're walking into a good offense, but you've got a quarterback who has double-digit rushing touchdowns three straight years, and a quarterback who who doesn't reliably throw to running backs. So we basically just have a trap back for the Philadelphia yep. Eagles. That's the concern.
2: And there's your answer. That is yeah, but I think again, if they hurts. if they landed if they landed on the right running back, you know, it's not necessarily I think a byproduct of, you know. Miles Sanders, we knew was was on his way out the door last season because they weren't going to re-sign him, and so he was great getting them to the Super Bowl. He had a great season and and got a big payday that clearly showed you he was flawed. And what happened in Carolina? They settled for DeAndre Swift. Now we could say what he is, his pedigree was, how he performed when healthy with Detroit, how he performed with Philadelphia. I mean, you go back to the the first game against Tampa Bay. Oh, nobody could run on Tampa Bay. He was a monster against Tampa Bay in week three. You know, so. There was a lot to love about what DeAndre Swift looked like he could do, but clearly he's been flawed. And so do they surprise us and take a Jameer Gibbs type running back? I'm not saying him or, you know, we never thought Detroit was going to draft somebody that early. Maybe the Eagles surprise us. We, th- we thought maybe the Eagles should take Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, Remember how the, yeah, the draft was going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so maybe they go out and they get, you know, uh, uh, whatever the 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 rookie running back who, who may emerge as, the second guy, or the third guy, or the first guy—you know, depending on how the draft unfolds—or is it, you know, they they try and just okay, listen, we still got a veteran defense that's gonna get us, you know, with a piece or two here or there, and it's a it's a Joe Mixon or a Derrick Henry or one of these retread guys. If that's the case, I wouldn't be you know potentially excited about it. But if they do decide to go younger and somebody that has a lot of explosiveness, then yeah, that that's certainly can happen.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I wasn't trying to make it a DeAndre Swift problem. I think Swift did fine. It's just, it's not a great role. However, DeAndre Swift had six carries that went down to the one-yard line. Every single one of those was followed up by a Jalen Hurts one-yard touchdown run. Six times. Not necessarily on the next play. I think five of them were the next play. But eventually, he gets down to the one, Jalen Hurts steals six touchdowns. He was on pace. I mean, he barely played in week one. Remember, it was Kenneth Gainwell. He's on pace for 43 catches if you remove week one. If you don't remove week one, he still had 39 catches in 16 games or whatever. So 40-catch running back, if he can get 10 touchdowns, that could be, Dave, that could be a number one guy. Low end, that could be a number one guy. But it's those 40 catches I would have trouble seeing again, I think, uh, for an Eagles running back. I don't
1: know. I have trouble seeing him get 10 touchdowns as well. And one of the things that we thought that Swift had was an explosive element to his game. Among running backs with at least 100 carries, his explosive rate ranked 18th out of like 40-something backs, which is okay. Yeah, it's fine. But it was still just a 7.4% explosive rush rate. You were, I would think that it would have been higher than that. So he did good getting rush yards, just wasn't involved the way that other running backs that are great for fantasy uh, are used. So it, it kind of stinks, and he's a free agent to boot. I
0: guess I'd say if you took the 11 rushing touchdowns that Miles Sanders had in 2022 and the 40 catches... That Swift had in 2023, if you were able to combine that, then I think you'd be looking at more of a must start guy. Can we
2: give him Derrick Henry's arch from 2022? <laughs> <and take him laughs> <No. in?
0: laughs> I'm just saying, like that, he had some really bad luck six times getting down to the one yard line, and all of those became Jalen Hurts touchdowns. How about this? Just this stat Eagles running back rushing touchdowns last three seasons 15, 18, 7. Yeah, there's something well, there. I
2: didn't let Boston Scott play against the Giants. That's why. <laughs> uh,
1: if the touch push is banned, then the running back for Philadelphia, whomever it may be, could have a glimmer of hope of being top 12.
0: How you guys doing? How was your weekend? We're done with the show. We can banter now.
1: Good. Good. Watched a lot of
0: football. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. You guys are really, very interesting stuff there. <laughs> What was the most fun thing you did all weekend?
2: Uh, I went to uh, a hotel on the beach with my wife, so oh. left the kids at home. Okay, <laughs> oh, yeah. well,
0: that, that's great. <laughs> you go. Did you go to the beach? Did you sunbathe?
2: No, it was too rainy out, so we had some good oh. uh, meals and uh, watched some football. It was, it was fun. Was it South Beach? No, nope.
0: that's great. That sounds great. Is that like an extended anniversary present.
2: Um. It was a, uh, a doggy moon. We're about to get a dog.
0: Oh. hey! <laughs> That's so weird. I just can't picture Jamie with a dog. Did you have a dog growing up?
2: No. No. First one. Yeah. I wonder how it'll be at Little League. Keep the receipt. That's a tiny dog, so it, it'll it'll fit um, in her pocket.
0: Very cute. All right. Very excited yeah. for you. The new addition. Dave, how about your most fun thing you did? I uh, I don't know. Okay, great. Well, I had chicken waffles. Thank you for watching and listening, everybody. <laughs> you went sledding, right? First time? No, that's going to happen today. I'm not going to go sledding. No chance. Like, not, Why not? How much clothing you have to put on to do that? And then it all gets wet. Like, I'm Wait, the, aren't you still going outside, though? No, I'm not going outside. I'm going to watch from the living room.
2: You're going to let your children go outside in the woods by themselves?
0: No, Allie's here. My wife's here. She'll do all that stuff. You're making her do it making her no this is something she relishes she's excited for this she grew up doing all that crap she doesn't sauerkraut it (laughs) all right we're out of here everybody see you later stay warm